Méndez. Should I read in Spanish? First? Yes. Para que yo me sienta desterrada, desterrada de mí debo sentirme. For me to feel uprooted, I need to feel banished from myself. Y fuera de mi ser y aniquilada, sin alma y sin amor de qué servirme. And external to my being and annihilated, without soul and without love to be of help. Pero me mira adentro, estoy intacta. Mi paisaje interior me pertenece. But I look inside myself, I'm intact. My inner landscape still belongs to me. Ninguna de mis fuentes ha hecho en falta. Todo en mí se mantiene y reverdece. Not one of my fountains has a crack. All is working and reviving, turning green. Si nunca me he servido de lo externo, de lo, de lo que quieran darme los extraños, no va a ser hasta ahora, en este infierno, donde mis ojos vean desengaños. If I'd never availed myself of the external, of what the strange wanted to give me, it would not be at this hour or inferno, the moment when my eyes would be deceived. Yo miro más allá, hacia un futuro, hacia una meta donde va mi vida. Como sé lo que quiero, miro el mundo y le dejo rodar con su mentira. I look more forward towards a goal, towards a future where I know that I can thrive. Because I know my wants, I see the world and let it rotate and revolve with its lie. Hi, I'm Zoe Reed, arts editor at the Marin, and I sat down with Maya Osmond-Krinsky, a second year in Chicago, and her professor, Miguel Caba. Together, they created the exhibition When Fascism Wins, which is currently on view at the Regenstein Library. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a second year in the college studying linguistics and global studies mm -hmm. with uh, a focus on global public health. And I am a collegiate assistant professor in the Society of Fellows. I'm affiliated to the Romance Languages and Literatures and Art History departments. And how did you both get involved in this? Like, um, was this your idea or did the school approach you? I don't remember. I mean, it was our idea, but I don't remember how we put it together. Um, <laughs> I wanted to do something to commemorate them yeah. and I wanted to work with Maya. Uh, the school was not involved in, I mean, they didn't request it or something like that. Okay. Um, we proposed it to the library. They were very happy to host it. Um, and I think that was it. Um, well, the idea of the exhibit was to commemorate the uh, end of the war in Spain that happened exactly 80 years ago in the spring of 1939. So we wanted to do a commemoration and I also wanted to work with the students and do a project together and I knew that she was uh, uh, a poet and I think a nice way of commemorating and of celebrating poets who were either killed or went into exile was to translate them into English. So we, our commemoration has to do, I mean, the way that we commemorate them is through, through translation. I think also a way that I approached the translation project was to think about what does happen when fascism wins because that's mm -hmm. the title of the exhibition and sort of because of the state that the country is in right now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the headspace that I was in at the moment was to really think about the implications of you know, a fascist ruler being in charge and how that affects a lot of the art and thought that's produced mm -hmm. in the time. I think the exhibit, what it's trying to do implicitly or explicitly, is to try to think of these three aspects, displacement, fascism, and poetry, then and now. Like how, we're talking about the same issues today, but how are they different too? 
how is displacement different today? How is fashion and poetry different today? Um, can you walk me through the timeline for creating the exhibit, like your process? Um, I think initially when Miguel asked me if I was willing to help on the project, I was really excited. And I think the process started with starting to choose the poets um, that would be included in the exhibition. And then within that, choosing the poetry that we felt was exciting to translate and relevant to the project. We wanted stuff. to have a balance between poets or writers who were very well known in yeah. Spain and out of Spain, uh, and also others that were not known yeah. at all. So we have some classics and we have some other uh, rare poets. And also we wanted to have a representation of the different languages spoken in Spain. We have mm -hmm. yeah. one poet in Catalan the others in, in the Spanish. We didn't translate anything in Basque. It's kind of hard. Yeah. It's a very, very different yeah. language. We definitely felt, especially towards towards the end as things were more coming together, that we wanted to have like geographical diversity as well. Um, also because one of the purposes of fascism in Spain at the time was to make one unified Spain, like all of the regions of the country being the same, speaking right. the same language and all that. And that's not the reality of the country. Yeah. So it was also like to make a point that you know this country is linguistically diverse and culturally diverse. Yeah, okay. You said a little bit about this, but um, could you be more specific about why you picked this particular time um, the Spanish Civil War? What's the significance? As Maya mentioned before, the fact that fascism is being discussed again and mm -hmm. the definition of fascism being kind of blurry. Mm -hmm. Even in Spain at that time, I mean, it's blurry today, but it, for the case of Spain, it was, it was also kind of blurry. You know, in Spain, we had Franco, the, the dictator, comes from a very traditionalist background and he allied to uh, Hitler and Mussolini. But as soon as he saw that they were losing the war, the Second World War, he reshape himself and his regime and presented himself not as a fascist but as an anti-communist um, so no we I think there is something about that in this exhibition to defining fascism then and now mm -hmm. what it is how do, how do we know that that's fascism what we see it? and what happens when he wins yeah Maya how did you connect to that not from originally yeah um, I think that's a really important question so I think initially approaching the theme in the historical period, I didn't have a lot of background. Um, I was excited, but there wasn't, I think, a lot that I could connect to besides the fact that it was poetry and like in Spanish. Um, but I think just like reading in, like reading a lot of poetry in its original language um, about sort of, so we, we separated the, the poems into three distinct themes, and I think reading into those themes really helped shape a conception of what fascism was at the time, and how, even though, um, like even though politically the situation has changed, realizing that a lot of what what politics is and how government works is super small scale. Um, so the three themes that we were working around or working within were um, like death, death was one of them. Um, Domestic epics. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one I just forgot. Um, um, like li liberty, maybe? I don't not remember. Quite. But the idea was yeah. not to impose our topics on the poem, right. but just but like let them read the emerge. poems. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and I think that so we, we translated one 
piece of prose by um, Maria Teresa Leon that that was probably one of my favorites to translate because I think apart from the precision of her language and the real beauty with which she approaches um, family and like what feels like betrayal and heartbreak, there were just a lot of specific lines that didn't feel like they were that they were particular to that time and place. Oh. Um, yeah, they they just felt very atemporal and universal. Yeah. yeah, was there a lot that felt really relevant today, or did it feel really situated in the time? Um, and what do you think those things were? Yeah, I think. I mean, personally, I'm definitely lucky enough not to be in a position where, if things like really change for the worse in this country, I like will have to leave. So I think working around the theme of exile also, um, I don't know how relevant it felt to me personally, but definitely um, there were a lot of narratives that sort of talked about like, what does it mean to not be in your home anymore? What does it mean to then return and it not be the same place that you left? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely a difference between exile and migration. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I don't live in my home country. so. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing, a, and this exhibition is about my home country, right. so I connect through that. So what made translation difficult? I think technically the biggest challenge was that some of the poems had rhyme and meter, and preserving that in a different language is really hard. I think on a more like retrospective level, I, I think that there's always a question of whether you should translate the words or translate the meaning and sometimes the two really don't line up but I think overall making sure that if you read the poem in English and in Spanish you'd still walk away taking like the same thing out of it even if the words weren't always the same. I think um, you know poetry I, I have a totally different relationship to poetry if I'm reading poetry in my mother tongue or not. When I'm reading it in my mother tongue I'm feeling the poetry when I'm reading it out other language I'm, I am thinking the poetry I'm trying to yeah uh, even in English which is oh I mean it's not my mother tongue but I live in English and I've lived in English for uh, for many years now the beautiful thing is I do have an intimate relationship with the Spanish she has an intimate relationship with English and it was you know an ongoing conversation so you were just talking about um, what poetry meant in Spanish and what it meant in English and you could elaborate on that if you give a conclusion or yeah long answer short so with one poem in particular, I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but um, we were sitting with it for a very long time and trying to sort of, for lack of a better word, like ram the English into the Spanish meter and rhyme, which was really hard and it wasn't working. Um, and sort of almost at the point of saying, okay, maybe we just trash the, ri the, the rhyme, um, Miguel was like, wait, but this doesn't actually rhyme in Spanish. Um, oh. Do you want to like elaborate on that? Yeah, I don't remember that case in particular, but it's really in this historical period in Spain at that time. Mm -hmm. um, you either had poems with totally free rhyme, like no line rhyme at all, or internal rhymes, uh, and other kind of poems which very strict, consistent, systematic rhymes. And if you want to mimic that into English, it's so it was so tricky. Right. Um, and I always, I'm, I'm also trying to figure out. Weird. 
also how English rhymes. That's something that I am yeah. learning. I uh, still learn it today. Mm-hmm. Uh I remember that sometimes you propose some rhymes and I was like is that right me? Yeah. <laughs> really Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's there's definitely a looser or a lower bar for rhymes in English. You can make things work that don't have you know assonance or consonants or but I think in Spanish because the presence of like vowels I think is way more important. Um you get more out of the the words um, okay, and then I also had a request from the podcast people, which I also think is very exciting for my thing as well, um, but more so for recording, which is, um, do you guys think you could each read a special favorite or salient poem in Spanish and English? Yeah. Yeah. I think Mendes. Mendes? Should I read it in Spanish first? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me what poem it is and some background? Yes. Um, so the poet name is Concha Mendez mm-hmm. and the title of the poem is in Spanish para que yo me sienta desterrada in English for me to feel uprooted mm-hmm. she was a very 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 famous editor mm-hmm. she published a lot of people in Spain and out of Spain mm-hmm. and that was very important for these people because they were all together in in Spain, but then when they went into exile, they went to so many different places in the world. And she's key in, you know, collecting their work and publishing their work. And she was also a great poet. And we discovered this poem that I think both of us love. Para que yo me sienta desterrada. Para que yo me sienta desterrada, desterrada de mí debo sentirme. Y fuera de mi ser y aniquilada sin alma y sin amor de qué servirme pero me mira adentro estoy intacta mi paisaje interior me pertenece ninguna de mis fuentes ha hecho en falta todo en mí se mantiene y reverdece si nunca me he servido de lo externo de lo, de lo que quieran darme los extraños no va a ser hasta ahora en este infierno donde mis ojos vean desengaños yo miro más allá hacia un futuro hacia una meta donde va mi vida Como sé lo que quiero, miro el mundo y le dejo rodar con su mentira. In English, the title is For Me to Feel Uprooted. For me, for me to feel uprooted, I need to feel banished from myself and external to my being and annihilated without soul and without love to be of help. But I look inside myself, I'm intact. My inner landscape still belongs to me. Not one of my fountains has a crack. All is working and reviving, turning green. If I'd never availed myself of the external, of what the strange wanted to give me, it would not be at this hour or inferno, the moment when my eyes would be deceived. I look more forward towards a goal, towards a future where I know that I can thrive. Because I know my wants, I see the world and let it rotate and revolve with its lie.